You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Uh, We have started a series a few weeks ago called On Mission with God, and we've gone at least through, yes, two. We've gone through two weeks out of that series. The first week was with God on mission in the Word, uh, and Paul talked to us about the importance of meditating on the Word, chewing on the Word. Uh, And then on the second week, Pastor Jason uh, shared with us with God on mission in community. And so that's every week we're looking at with God on mission in something. Um, And so Pastor Jason, when he shared on the second week of the series with God on mission in community, he brought a vision out of Acts 2 for us where we are a family, which is our motto as a church, a, a family that takes care of each other's needs and we live for family before we live for self. We live for family before we live for self. And right, that's, that's part of the Christian ethos. It's part of the Christian faith is that we sacrifice. But the self is important too. And we do have to take self-care. And so today's uh, topic, if you will, will be on mission with God on self. Particularly, it's on mission with God on self-examination. The beauty and the advantages that come with regular, regular habitual self-examination. It's a, an important part of the Christian faith, but here's the thing. Here's the catch. We don't like being examined, not even by self, if we're honest. There are some exceptions, but let me give you an idea. You guys have been to the doctor, and we get questions asked by our doctors that sometimes make us feel a little uncomfortable. Not because we're necessarily sharing that information with the doctor, but because we become self-conscious and we decide, you know, that the question that you're asking, I wish the answer were different. Because we like to think of ourselves as a little better than we are. And so, for example, you go to the doctor and they'll ask you a question like, so how many fruits do you eat per day? (laughs) per day, not even per week, per month. How many fruits and vegetables do you eat per day? And yeah, studies show people lie. They lie on this. They, you know, they they inflate the numbers a bit. Oh, you know, I eat, you know, three fruits a day. And you're laughing because you know the American population does not eat three fruits a day or three vegetables. I mean, there are people, right? And, you know, my wife, she's a health nut, and she's a doctor, of course, and she eats incredibly healthy. I do not, okay? I'm kind of like the Jim Gaffigan, if you know who that comedian is, in that relationship. I'm that that guy. I just like, like I go nuts. In and out, double-double, animal style, no pickle. That's, that's my jam, right? Animal fries. So we get asked these questions, and we kind of feel guilty, and we kind of answer with a little bit of, like, what we wish or what we'd like to think we are. So we get asked, for example, on average, how often do you exercise? It's the same thing. It's like, oh, well, you, you know, I, I leave a, a, you know, a mobile lifestyle. I'm moving. I'm, I'm engaging. I, I, at work, I go up three flights of stairs, and I avoid the elevator. So that counts, right? 
And, and, and we realize that, well, you know, like I don't think often about these questions, but I should. And I should modify how I eat a bit. I should modify how I exercise a bit. Uh, there's a study that shows, um, I think I have it here. I just found it. Uh, a study shows that only 40% of their patients, for doctors anyway, 40% of their patients are telling the truth, whole truth, and nothing but the truth concerning how many units they are taking on board of alcohol. <laughs> so yeah, so you know, how, how often do you drink? They'll ask the person. And so apparently some doctors have an al alcohol multiplier, and the number that they receive, they immediately multiply uh, and get a higher number because they figure patients are lying. So we don't like being tested because, again, not necessarily because we're sharing information that we don't like. Some people, of course, dislike that, but also because we don't like to face who we might be. But, you know, we do examine. Sometimes we do welcome self-examination. There are people who, for example, check their symptoms even before the COVID era, people who self-diagnose on Google, right? They go to WebMD and they find out, you know what, I think I have cancer because of what I read on WebMD. <laughs> I think I have uh, this certain dis autoimmune disease from what I read on uh, uh, WebMD or a Mayo Clinic website. And then there's the test that, or the diagnostic test that we all love. You go to Facebook, you see these quizzes that appear all the time, which house of Harry Potter, of, the, of, of Hogwarts, do you belong to? Are you Ravenclaw? Are you Slytherin House? And we love taking these little uh, useless quizzes. It's like, yeah, I'm Slytherin because I have, I, I'm a type A and I am a go-getter or I'm Ravenclaw because whatever, I don't know, I'm not a Harry Potter per se fan. <laughs> but these are the quizzes that appear. Which Avenger are you? Or which character of Friends are you? You're Ross, you're Rachel. You're, uh, you know, these, but we, a lot of people take these quizzes. At least my feed, it shows up all the time. I don't know, maybe my friends are older, I don't know. But the, this, stuff, this stuff shows up all the time. So there are quizzes we like taking. But examination in reality is part of the faith. And while it may be uncomfortable, it can be a blessing and it should be a blessing. We are in God, we're with God on mission because we're trying to work uh, out some things that we should be doing by God's uh, empowering grace and his mercy and his Holy Spirit. And so often we should examine ourselves. There's a catch, though, to how do we examine ourselves. But let's first take a look at a passage that I think is foundational for us to examine ourselves. And actually, it came, at least for me, because I'm basically preaching what I struggle with and what I am going through in my spiritual journey. Uh, there's a passage that comes to us from James. And if you recall, not too long ago, a few months ago, we were doing a series on the book of James. And here it is. I want, I want us to, to kind of slow down here and, and dive into three verses, four verses technically, in James chapter 1. It's verses 22 through 25. So we're going to go to James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. Now, let me give you some context. It's going to appear on the, on the screen, and that's fine, and we'll read it together. But I want to give you some context. Uh, James is often uh, a letter that uh, is considered to be, uh, uh, of course, from the author James, but influenced by both uh, wisdom literature from Proverbs and also 
the Sermon on the Mount from Jesus. Those two things kind of spiritually influenced uh, James when he was writing this letter. And, one, and in particular, one of the aspects that James focuses on within the Sermon of the Mount is, are you truly a disciple? Do you truly uh, believe what you say you believe? Do you build your house on the rock of Christ or do you, uh, you know, again, in one ear, out the other ear and don't follow through? And in chapter 1, though it happens throughout the whole letter that this is a common topic, in chapter 1, there's these verses that actually they're kind of, not notorious, but they're kind of famous for being a little hard to interpret. Um, And again, it's these verses, verses 22 through 25. I'm going to take the line of interpretation that Douglas Moo in his commentary partakes in, which tends to be kind of the most accepted interpretation for these verses. So let's go ahead and dive in and read uh, what James is telling us in verses 22 excuse me, through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. By the way, this is the NIV, which I felt, again, considering what Douglas Moo and others have said, is a good representation. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Now, different translations uh, render these words a little differently because, like I said, in particular, the part about the mirror, uh, there's not controversy, but there's there's different schools of thought theologically. And so the one that we're going to focus in on here, I think, is a safe uh, interpretation, which is that the mirror and the looking at the mirror serves as an analogy of the following. If you go to the mirror and you look at yourself, and you see what you look like, potentially there's something you need to fix about yourself. Like me, I need to shave. I saw it this morning. I was like, crap, I didn't make time for shaving, right? And look, you look at yourself in the mirror, but then you go on and you forget, literally forget what you look like. And so the, the person who doesn't hear or doesn't follow through, excuse me, what they hear in the word is much like that. A person, he or she reads the word, sees what the word says about what my life should look like, but walks on and forgets what the word says. And so that means, potentially, if we're not supposed to forget ourselves, forget how we look, forget our, our, you know, our diagnosis, if you will, that means, one, we should be looking at a mirror, and two, we shouldn't forget what the mirror shows us. One, we should be looking at the mirror, And two, we should be taking action upon what we see in the mirror. Or do we just forget? And it becomes kind of a useless exercise. So we should invite often, frequently, daily, this this posture of looking at ourselves in the mirror of the word, seeing what our life looks like, and making adjustments. Not forgetting to build our life on the abundance, the abundant life, excuse me, that Jesus tells us that we can live in his discipleship. 
So we want to invite this. Now, here's the thing. The mirror, the word acting as a mirror is way more powerful than a mere physical mirror. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 4, we're told that the word, it's, yes, living and active. That's the part that everyone tends to focus on. But what comes after, I think, is deeper. For the word of God in Hebrews 4, it says, is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Whoa. Let's read that again. It judges the word Judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Hold on. The word is living and active because it reads us. The word reads us. You, you understand that there's a subtle difference, but powerful, between me reading and internalizing something good that I read in a great self-help book and something that happens spiritually when the word is read by you with an open heart, the word reads and diagnoses you. Come on. You felt it. You know what I'm talking about. It's sometimes a little scary, but... The word penetrates you as, as you read it. it. It goes deep within, within the depths of your soul, of your person, and it diagnoses. It helps you to see in this mirror what needs to be adjusted in a good and loving way if we understand it properly, but it helps us to see it. See, we got to understand when we get diagnosed by the word it's not an angry parent that's diagnosing us. This is the doctor that cares about our spiritual health. That's the mentality that we have to approach it with. We have to understand it's not bad to allow God to examine us through the, the mirror of the word, but rather it's good, it's healthy, it's spiritually uh, rich, forming, and, and transformative. It's transformative. It's a living active, sharper than any double-edged sword. So we want to build, per these passages, a practice of going to the mirror of the word, looking, studying at our lives with respect to the life of Jesus, what his life looks like, and making adjustments, letting his word, as we self-reflect, letting his word read us. Like the psalmist says in Psalm 139, search my hearts. See if there is any grievous way in me. I'm paraphrasing here. But that's the idea, is that we invite this practice of self-reflecting into our lives, invite God to navigate us through the tour of reading our lives and realizing where we align and don't align in our walk with God. Megan McNally puts it this way. Self-examination should not be an introspective self-obsession, excuse me, but a humble, clear-minded assessment of ourselves through the gospel. Again, let's say that, but a humble, clear-minded assessment of ourselves through the gospel. It means looking to scripture and see God's commands as the Holy Spirit points out the sins we harbor that are contrary to the truth. It's a humble, clear-minded assessment. Here's the thing. If I don't have time to examine and care for my emotional and spiritual life, 
I will crash. That, that there's, there's nothing truer that I have lived. At, 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 I'm, a, I'm a mathematics professor, and I have a lot usually on my plate. And when I let the busyness lead me to neglect of the word, I crash. I crash. I can keep focusing on doing and not being, and I crash. So, what I want us to do, as much as we may hate the diagnosis questions that our doctors give us, is go through five questions that could help us gauge our spiritual health in a good way. Where are we, especially as we start 2022? Not that we should leave this for the beginning of the year, which is an arbitrary assignment, but rather for a daily practice, lifelong practice that we should do this. These five questions, I took four of them from Rich Vijodas, who uh, is author of The Deeply Formed Rich Life, and he pastors uh, a church in Queens, New York. And then a fifth one that I added. So here they are. Let's look at the first self-diagnosis question. And again, let's invite the Holy Spirit to help us probe the depths of our soul as we look within you're going to notice, by the way, in these questions, there isn't a focus on ritual. You know, how many times do I do this? How long do I do this? No, none of that. Qualitative, not quantitative. So here's the first question we can ask ourselves. Am I giving myself to intentional times of prayer? Am I giving myself to intentional times of prayer? No, it doesn't say, do I pray an hour a day? Do I pray three times a day? Do I pray before I go to bed? Do I pray? No, no. Am I giving myself to intentional times of prayer? Giving myself. Number two, am I growing in love? Ooh, that one hurts. Am I growing in love? Gr hurts in a good way. <laughs> in a good way. It's like, man, I, I need to be more loving. How do I even foster that? We'll talk about that later. Am I growing in love? Am I connected to others in ways that foster vulnerability? Am I connected to others in ways that foster vulnerability? I may be connected to others, but do they feel safe with me? Do I feel safe with others in being vulnerable? Am I joining my life to the poor and marginalized? And marginalized is a big category. I feel particularly on this one personally. Am I joining my life to the poor and marginalized? Fifth question. The first four I got from Rich Vijodas. I'm adding the fifth one. Am I known for my knowledge of the Bible more than by my Christ-likeness? Let, let me say that again. And, and again, don't take this as me judging you. This is what I felt God speaking to me. Am I known for my knowledge of the Bible more than my Christ-likeness? If I am, something's wrong. <laughs> the, 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 the knowledge of the Bible should serve Christ-likeness. Nothing else. So there's a caution. There's a caution that we should have. We should pause right now because if 
with these self-diagnosis questions, your reaction right now is to, okay, I, I need to do. I need to do. I need to be more loving. I need to give myself intentionally to prayer. I need to connect with others in ways that foster vulnerability. You'll run to do, 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 and you'll crash. That is not very Christian. That's a moral, humanistic life that you can build and involves nothing of Christ. So something is wrong. It's because of our disconnect. We, we always have trouble connecting faith and action. What I do should flow from who I am in Jesus. So as I self-diagnose, I can't listen. Please, this, if, if anything you remember from today, it's this. I can't fix the problems in my self-diagnosis by just doing. You'll stop doing. You'll crash and you'll stop doing. You can't fix the problems by just doing. That doesn't fix it. It's good to diagnose and to realize that I'm, like me, Ricardo, I'm poor in all these areas. It's good, but I can't run to just do them. That's not good enough. I got to fix something deeper. See, the Christian faith isn't a moral code. It's a transformation of character. It's an invitation to be a different person. The prophecies of the Old Testament told us as much. They would say that we would receive a new heart and the law would be written in our hearts. So it's not about following to-do lists. It's about being someone who naturally looks like this. This should flow out of you. So I don't want to just do. So upon self-reflecting, don't run to do. You should run to be in Christ while seeking these things. Jesus tells us as much. Before you run to do stuff, don't forget what Jesus tells us in chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. He basically tells us, you can't do it. If you're running to do all that stuff, guess what? You can't do it. If you want to do all that stuff, you have to abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Woo! You can't do those five things. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus says. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And here it is. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you run to do these five things in the self-diagnosis test, by yourself, you're going to crash. You're going to fall under the weight of trying to be self-righteous. Because none of us are righteous. You're going to fall under the weight of trying to do too much. You won't be centered. You won't be refreshed in Christ. You won't be coming to the person who says, actually, come to me all who are weary of trying to measure up. Come to me, all who are weary of trying to measure up and be too religious, and I will give you rest, for my burden is light. If I don't spend time being in Christ, 
I will eventually sacrifice love, joy, and peace for the sake of doing things. You can keep doing things externally, and those things, those quality of hearts get sacrificed. You could go and, you know, you, you, can, you could give money to the poor, to the person standing at the, at the light. You can, you can do all these things. But Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 13, that you're just a noisy gong if you don't have love. He, it's crazy because he, in fact, says, if you give your life but have not love, you gain nothing. Woo. You see, the Christian faith is an invitation to transformation, not to do stuff. A transformed person does stuff, but you don't fix things by doing stuff. The doing must flow. It's a mystery of the Christian faith. Walk by the Spirit. Yes, do it, but by the Spirit. We got to follow from within through the transformation that Christ provides in us through something beautiful in the person of Christ that captivates our soul so much that it transforms our very being, our very heart. We receive a new heart, and we have fruit. I mean, don't forget, if you're reading John 15 and it says, abide in me, you can have fruit, don't forget what that fruit looks like in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, etc. You can't do that stuff. You can't do joy. You can't do love. You can't do peace. That's from within. That's a transformation. So don't run to do, run to be and abide in Christ. Am I giving myself to intentional times of being and abiding in the living word of God? So with that mentality, right? Let's, let, let's recap what we've done today. First half of what I've said here, we said we should self-examine. And we saw five questions that help us gauge our spiritual health. Second half, we realize, well, but I can't fix it by doing. I can't fix it by doing. So I got to abide in Christ. And then those five questions will naturally resolve themselves to reflect a healthier person spiritually. So that's movement two. So if you want, the final movement of this time together here is how do I put that together? How can I self-examine in a way that focuses on abiding in Christ and not on doing? How can I self-examine in a way that focuses on abiding in Christ and not on doing, but still gets me to get the ball rolling? I, it has to flow. Here's what I want us to do. And again, this just comes from really me, the flawed Ricardo, struggling and talking and speaking with God and what God is like trying to correct in me. Let's revisit those five questions, but let's add more nuance to them. So they're, they're not just about doing. Let's revisit those five questions and let's add depth. Depth. Question number one, revisited but re-edited. Am I giving myself to intentional time of prayer? If not, do I believe that I will find rest in the good shepherd? See, the focus there isn't on, let me pray, let me pray. No, 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 no. There's a reason you're not praying. There's a reason I'm not praying. Do I believe that 
He makes me lie in green pastures. He restores my soul. Do I believe that? That's deeper. That's not focused on the action of praying. That's focused on who Christ is in me. Who is Christ to me? So again, am I giving myself to intentional times of prayer? If not, do I believe that I will find rest in the good shepherd? Do I believe that in God's presence there is fullness of joy? Question number two, re-edit it again. Am I growing in love? If not, do I understand that I could give all away everything that I have and gain nothing if I don't have love? I quoted that earlier from 1 Corinthians 13. Like, I can't do love. I can't do love. So I can't just give stuff, be generous, buy gifts, cover someone's lunch, pay for the person behind me in the drive-thru. It's got to come from love, not from... I got to have authentic love. Question number three, revisited. Am I connected to others in ways that foster vulnerability? If not, do I believe I am righteous? Or do I rest in the work of Christ? Do I believe in that God equips us to experience transformation through the power of vulnerability and community? See, our pride needs to melt away and I can foster vulnerability by me being vulnerable and you being vulnerable if we really believe that Christ transforms us through that power of vulnerable, of vulnerable presence and connecting, sharing our weaknesses, being compassionate over one another and not, not judging. But notice there, it still hinges on Christ, on abiding in Christ. Because again, is there a sense of righteousness or do I rest in Christ, because I'll never measure up. Do I rest in Christ, in what he did, and in the life he is inviting me to be a part of, regardless of how I've failed? Question number four, revisited. <laughs> Am I joining my life to the poor and marginalized? You can go and run and do that. You'll get exhausted if that's all you do with no depth to it. So if not, do I truly believe that I love, feed, heal, and care for Christ when I do these things for the marginalized? He said it. If I don't see Christ in people, I don't see their worth, their full worth, and I don't see the greater purpose behind all this. They have the worth of Christ in them. And in fact, as of all people, Bono once said, you want to be with God, be with the poor and marginalized. You want to experience the presence of God, be with them. Or do you not believe what Jesus said? So again, it hinges all on my heart. These questions aren't just do questions, but go deeper. What are the words of Christ to me? Do I believe what he says about himself, about others, about me? And then the last question, am I known for the knowledge that I have of the Bible more than by my Christ-likeness? Do people see a scholar or a person that acts and talks like Jesus? 
If not, am I seeking the approval of people or am I seeking to be like Christ? I could seek the approval of people or I could do what John the Baptist said when he was asked. His ministry started going down once the person he was preaching about came along. He was no longer the center of attention. And he said, I must decrease that he may increase. So as we, as Jess and the team start coming back up, as we reflect on our spiritual health, as we reflect on our spiritual health, don't get focused on the doing. Provide depth to the doing of these questions. Provide depth. See the abiding in Christ as the essence, the essence of how to get transformation in a way that reflects through these questions. Look, we, we're in a culture and a society where everything is so fast-paced and everything is so on the phone that we rarely enjoy times of going into secluded or desolate or isolated places. But Jesus, the perfect human, he would often, before going into the crowds, Go into desolate, quiet places to abide in the Father. I can't run to do without being. Yes, I do need a moment of quiet. I need to put that phone away. I need to close the door. And the thing is, you don't have to go on an amazing hike to the top of some peak to get that secluded moment with God. I mean, when Jesus is talking about the Lord's Prayer right before, he says, go in your closet or something like that. <laughs> Close the door. Turn off the device or lock it and silence it and put it somewhere else and connect. Be. Be. Spend time. And if, not, if that's rough, just ask yourself, do I understand? This is what refreshes me. This is what centers me. We're looking for it as a culture. We're looking at mindfulness and centering, which are great things, but they are, they are, they are reflections of the greatest version of centering and mindfulness and relaxation and therapy. All of those things are good, but they come from reflecting what we're supposed to be finding in Jesus. We need those things, but anchor them on Jesus. Be refreshed, be renewed, be in Christ before you do. Let's pray. Father, we, we humble ourselves before you, recognizing that, yes, we often fail to give our times to intentional prayer. We often fail to grow in love. It's so hard to do. We fail to connect with others in ways that foster vulnerability because we have a self-image to protect. We got to show the world we've got it all figured out. We sometimes don't join our life to the poor marginalized because we just don't have time. We're too busy. And sometimes we like to look the part more than being like Christ. So we confess that joyously, though, Lord, not with a sense of guilt, but we confess it into the freedom that comes in confession where your blood cleanses us, John says in 1 John. Cleanses us, renews us, 
If we feel exhausted by the questions, we remember, Father, remind us that you say, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. You're the good shepherd. We shall not want. You make us lie in green pastures. You lead us beside still waters. You restore our soul. Remind us not to fix the problem by doing, but by being. May we be invested in you, in being centered in you, mindful of you, so that we can go and be out of the abundance of a Christ-like heart. Transform us. May your kingdom come and may your will be done in our hearts. In our hearts, Lord. We pray all of this, bless us throughout this week to be like you and to be centered in you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.